Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Masters of Divinity. Tonight, we invite you to join us for a terrifying tale. Follow us to the year 1972, as our moderately sinful protagonist, Patty, awakens to the gut-wrenching realization that she has been left behind. I wish we'd all been... Millions have vanished, lawnmowers have been left unmanned, and survivors of vicious cobra attacks have been taken, but not forgotten. I wish we'd all been ready. So lock your doors and windows, hold your loved ones close, but know they may vanish anyway. For there is no escape when the Lord returns as a thief in the night. You've been left behind. Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know the drill. We're all here. Are we? Are we all here, though? <laughs> Did anyone disappear in the middle of the intro music? I'm going to vanish in the middle of this recording, as I've been known to do anyway. So <laughs> hey, just to check this out. This morning, um, um, I wake up super early. I set an alarm early, hoping to check the swell, because there were supposed to be waves this morning. So my alarm goes off, and it's still a little bit dark outside. And I just, out of a habit, kind of reach over to the, to the side, like to the, to the, in the bed next to me. And Kane is not there. And I'm like, and I can kind of hear my kids making noise, but I'm like, is she actually trying to prank me to make me think <laughs> that she's been raptured? And it just turns out that uh, Ford was not feeling well and was calling to her and she just happened to wake up right around the same time my alarm went off. But when she came back in the room, I was like, was that a joke? Were you trying to make me? And she was like, no, she's like, it was too early for me to think that. <laughs> oh, there was an ominous cloud in the sky. Just... On its way to take everybody. Away. A reference, a reference to the Book of Kings, right? The cloud that hovers over the sky is the right. sign to Ezekiel that the rain is about to come. But then the cloud moves away for the sun, and the sun shows, and that's when the rapture has happened in a thief in the night. Okay, so today we're talking about. We're finally, we're talking about a thief in the night. In case you haven't. How many years? How many years? We we we, we had this podcast for what three years, and we have been hinting at this movie, and we finally got around to talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's great, and and uh, I want to thank Matt for his uh, his cold open, and uh, Chuck for his uh, vocals uh, <laughs> from from the fish market combo. I believe is is the version you were yes. singing. Uh, <laughs> I wish we'd all been ready. So can I can I yeah. say something? Just I know you're trying to get into it, but I, just, I have to say really quick. So so my wife grew up um, sort of evangelical Methodist. Yeah. Okay. Whereas evangelical we were, light. So, yeah, exactly. So as you, as the rest of us were sort of, you know, evangelical Ma- Baptist or charismatic evangelical, um, the, um, I, so I sat down, I, I convinced Kana to watch this movie with me awesome. and she had been, she had been kind of like resistant to it cause she's never seen it. Right. And, um, and, and then I was like, well, it's an hour and eight minutes. She's like, okay, let's put it on. So, um, so again, again, as I, as I mentioned before the show started, it was, it's a movie that manages to make time slow down and it actually feels like three hours. But, um, um, when, when, um, when I wish we'd all been ready, kicked in, Kana was like, what is this? I'm like, you've never heard this song. (laughs) Now keep my wife, my wife is that my wife grew up being a bit of a DC talk fan and DC talk pretty notably cut recorded a cover of this song. In fact, it is on my vinyl edition of Jesus freak. And she had never heard it. Um, and I was actually really surprised by that, that she had never heard the song. And I remember when I first saw Thief in the Night, I knew the song before I'd ever seen a Thief in the Night. And so when I saw the movie, I was like, wow, this is the, I didn't realize the song was that old. And I was like, man, DC Talk actually made it sound way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, we we actually watched this in elementary at school. Um, which was the first time, which was the first time I heard that song. And then when DC talk covered it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a song from that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about, I mean, I don't think we need to do it right now. And you can edit this out if you need to JP, but I feel like, I don't know if it was your experience. It sounds like it might've been Matt's experience that this was the sort of movie that going to the kinds of schools we went to 
this was the sort of movie that when like a teacher had like a doctor's appointment and they couldn't get a sub, they would just like wheel the TV card out and they would put this on for the class to watch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, except this particular movie, I specifically remember being one of those quote-unquote fun days at school, <laughs> where it was like before a break or something, so for the day you're just doing fun events, and one of them was wheeling out that TV cart and watching this. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not how I viewed it for the first time. I think I have a pretty unique experience. You saw um, theater? No, <laughs> I wish. Oh, that would be, so, be so great. I, you know what? I, I bet the, I bet the reels are like in pristine condition. Um, anyway, uh, you try to buy them. That'd be so awesome. I'm sure there's some church. There's, there's like a bunch of them in some church attic, just collecting dust. Um, so I, I, uh, in high school, I was like really fascinated with the Book of Revelation, and um, my mom knew about it, and uh, she had a, a parent teacher conference. Um, I guess with was with our teachers or something, and I guess she told uh, our, our our mine and Matt's Bible teacher at the time, and um, he gave her uh, the the four the four movies: The Thief in the Night, A Distant Thunder, the, Mark of the Beast, the, and Prime. the Mark the Mark Four Pictures Rapture Quadrilogy. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> Um, so he, he gave my mom the four movies and like, uh, you, you know, he, he knew that I was, uh, I, I wanted to go to film school. I wanted to be a filmmaker someday, a movie guy. So I was like, she was, he was like, oh, I think JP would like these then. <laughs> and so my mom brought them to me. He's like, Hey, here you go. And I remember just reading I'm like, Oh wow. These actually look pretty cool <laughs> because it definitely is and, like, and they are, <laughs> they are very cool. <laughs> Let's acknowledge a couple of things really quick. JP, just if I can interrupt. The titles for all of these movies yeah. are great. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A I mean, Distant Thunder is a great title of a movie. <laughs> like, if you just tell me that name of a movie, like, I'm going to go see A Distant Thunder, I'm intrigued. I don't know what it's I'm intrigued. It's a great title, and it's unfortunate that, well, okay, anyway. I, I, I the, the, the Prodigal Planet is... That's um, a good title, too. You know, it's, it's an eye-catcher. It's an eye-catcher. You know, it's supposed to be a prodigal but, son. A prodigal planet? What? Yeah, I do feel like A Prodigal Planet, though, is a perfect title for, like, a late 70s, early 80s movie. Yeah. But a title that today would be like, what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. Like it's so a pretentious. Little, it's a little bit the title that they would probably use, like, in a sitcom to talk about a movie, right? Like, yeah. yeah like it, also, it also sounds like a, like a pamphlet. Like, it sounds like a pamphlet. Yes. Well, the, 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 the preview icon on Amazon Prime for it looks like a, a track that I'm pretty sure I handed out once in my life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that, that's how I watched them. My, my mom brought them home from, from a parent-teacher conference meeting, and uh, I, I binged them that night on VHS. And uh, that, was, that was something. It was something. And, um, yes. And I remember – and this is, this, is, this is my one funny anecdote for this movie and how bad this movie is. I remember when um, we were making fun. I don't know if, if you were in class that day, Matt, but the same teacher decided to show a thief in the night uh, to the class because just as like a time waster or whatever. And, um, but with the full intention knowing this is a bad movie, um, he put it in and the part where you all watched it last night. There's there's a there's a, a montage, if you will, yes, with yes. with our main characters uh, on boats and and uh, and and water skiing on the dam, right? At the rest of the dam, yes. And I just remember my teacher going, "JP, you know you're a movie guy. Why is this in there? <laughs> like, well, why 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 would they put this part?" In this movie, it seems to kind of slow it down. Like, why would they put it in there? And you know, I wasn't really a, a, that attuned to filmmaking yet because I was just a seventeen-year-old, didn't go to film school yet. And I was just like, I, I don't know. Uh, um, Eighteen uh, years that, later, seventeen years later, I still don't know. I, I, <laughs> I went to film I school. I worked in the film industry. I still don't know. 
And, you know, in the context of the movie, I don't know how long they were supposed to have been together, but I will say that montage legitimately made me feel as though I lived years of my life with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe that's I, the I feel like I experienced I kinda, years of their relationship together. I kind of want to take that. I kind of want to take that photo montage and like, like, like splice it out of the movie and then set it to the family ties theme and see if it like matches up to the opening credits of family ties. <laughs> okay. The photo montage <laughs> is a work of art it's <laughs> so there's this uh i don't i mean should we do, do we want to recap the movie or do we no gonna... no <laughs> no here's no. here's the there's recap. not much to recap maybe. wait she wakes up it's the rapture we do a time jump back to some in like indeterminate point well in first the of all it starts off with an ominous uh quote saying that jesus is going to come to kill you right right can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that this is so clearly trying to be an aggressively 1970s horror film for Christians. Yeah, horror mm-hmm. disaster mm-hmm. film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to be like the Omega Man with Charles, Charlton Heston. It's oh, yeah. like trying to fit that world. Totally. It's it's something. <laughs> I mean, it's got a very 1970s ending. Yeah. Oh, but did, you, did either of you happen to click play on the trailer before you watched it? No. Because I, my, my wife and I had a friend over. So I decided, oh, hey, we'll find a movie to watch, playing like I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, how about this one? I kind of need to watch it tonight anyway and click play on the trailer first. And I love that the trailer ends with, please don't talk about the ending. <laughs> That's how the trailer ends. Twist. <laughs> because it, twist. It, has a, it has a Shyamalan, Hitchcock-esque twist. Yeah, it's, it's please, please don't talk about the ending is the last thing said in the trailer. <laughs> which, which, ironically, I could turn around from their theology point of view and say that they're horrible Christians because they just told me not to talk about the end. And the end is what this movie is all about. Oh, <laughs> look at that, Matt. In fact, in, in true Hitchcockian faction, uh, they would not allow anybody into the church once the movie started. And uh, you had to come back later to watch it so that you could watch the entire movie. Because that's what Hitchcock did with Psycho. That's a film Ironically, joke. I won't. I, Ironically, Ironically, a lot of churches guilty of not letting people in after they've... Oh. Oh. Sorry, Carrie. Carry on. <laughs> Move um, along. Um, I, here's uh, this is we're talking about the ending real quick. I just want to, without spoiling the ending. Okay. The last, the last shot of the movie is again that ominous piece of text, right? right. Yeah. And then there's a stinger yeah. because you think the movie's about to fade out, and then it goes, oh wait, hold on. The radio guy, the radio guy's voice cackles back on, and they pan the camera over to the radio. And it's there to announce that the United Nations has formed a one world government as like an emergency provision, which they did that super fast, by the way, like within like no time. minutes. And I that's when I said the that's when I and I posed the question to you guys um, on Facebook Messenger last night. It's like, so who's the villain of this movie? Because it, it sets it up as the villain is, you know, missing out on the rapture. But then they're also like the United Nations is the villain. Actually, you should be more afraid of the United Nations. Guys, guys, before we get in that big discussion, because we're all we're already out of order. So who cares about going in order for this movie? Go watch the movie. Yeah. Um, first of all, we're going to blow the ending. Like it's it's not <laughs> uh, that big the, a deal, people. Well, I, was, I, was, um, but, I was in tongue in cheek, Matt. But <laughs> the final the final title card of the movie is the single greatest thing it's in great. movie. History. I love it. I love it. it. It's genius. It's it's like. It's almost as perfectly, or no, it, and in my opinion, it is more perfect than the fact that the that Meg ended with Finn. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's more perfect than that. I didn't and know that. <laughs> in that title card, after watching this hour and eight minute movie that feels like seven hours of actual live beginning to end sermons, um, which we'll talk about that. It ends with in the movie. It ends with the title card, the end, which is then followed by dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Painfully slow ellipses. Is near. <laughs> right, and, and it's four ellipses, not three. It's four, which is irritating because an ellipse is supposed to be three. But yeah, the end is, is near. near. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, Chuck, you, you mentioned something interesting about uh, how 
uh, fast it was for the United Nations to take over the world once this tragedy has happened. Literally minutes. Um, the, the United Nations that are 100% Nazis in this movie. The, <laughs> well, the United Nations Imperium of Total Emergency. <laughs> Unite, JP. Unite. Unite. Um, I mean, they go, like, they go quick to Gestapo. But like, you know what? It, it, it shows that they're hasty because, like, you know, there's, there's, it's, so far it's only four guys. Right. And it's uh, one van and a helicopter. And guys made, in one van. And, and, <laughs> I forgot that Patty steals the one van, and so she completely cripples them for a couple of hours. <laughs> like, they're incapable Patty is, of doing their job. Patty is public mm-hmm. enemy number one after stealing that van. <laughs> This, this thing is, I said to Kato, I was watching it last night. My wife watched it with me, which is great. And I said, I was like, man, they're spending a lot of resources on this one woman who just doesn't want a tattoo. Like, okay. she can't, she can't buy or sell anything. So, might as well just let her like die, right? Like, the, like the idea that they're trying to force her into receiving this tattoo um, is, you know, the tattoo, by the way, that comes from an electric razor with a stamp embedded on the end of it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it, it it's 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 four guys uh one van one helicopter and maybe a walkie it could be jerry's walkie we we don't know Jerry. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, and and also time. Mima is playing the prison guard in that one scene oh, um, Mima. and don't and, yeah that's like the lady that's the church potluck lady and it's clearly a church that like they cast for this movie like it's the entire church of the cast yeah the, someone, uh, someone's uh, pastor secretary uh probably that probably that first church of the open bible which is the uh, most amazing name of a church Church of the Open uh, Bible. I like that too. That's good. That's, yeah, that's Church fun. of the Open Bible of Des Moines, Iowa. Can we take a moment to appreciate the fact this film is set in Des Moines, Iowa, which is where uh, Mark IV Productions or Mark IV Pictures is apparently located. Guys, I'm, and, think, I'm thinking road trip. <laughs> I know, right? Sites like site location, like like, like uh, location scouting. Yeah, because Kana was like, where are all the people? She's like, I mean, I know like the raptures happened, but like there's no one around. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is what Rush Hour in Des Moines, Iowa looks like. <laughs> It always looks like the rapture happens. It's like 5 p.m. on a weekday. And, <laughs> and she's like, well, it's true. I guess all the evangelicals that are in Des Moines, Iowa, it would be pretty empty afterward. Uh, yeah. Guys, I, I do have a question that has been plaguing me the, like, six times I've watched this movie. Where are all the and black people? Night, and last night. I... <laughs> <laughs> we could, I, would, I would argue they were all raptured. Um, <laughs> but... What were they going to do with the helicopter? I don't know. I think like, she. I think. I always think that. Wow, she really outsmarted them by crouching on the rail. Well, no, 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 no. You get but what like, I was if saying. they caught up with her, it's not like they could fit her in it. Like right, they had the two seats. <laughs> well, well, you realize you realize that you realize that what the, what was going on there, right? Is that they captured her, but then Jerry got on the phone and was like, "Ah, oh, now we'll pick her up." And they were like, yeah. "Okay, well, we'll let her go to Jerry." Yeah. Oh Jerry! Oh, it's it's Jerry. not like they have. Gonna, we should do it. We should do an entire episode dedicated to Jerry. By the way, <laughs> Kana, um, Kana just outright rejected my offer for um, she and I to dress up like Jerry and Jan for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's no one would get it. Um, <laughs> should, should, should we? Let's. I, I, I say we go through these characters. Let's talk about these characters real quick. <laughs> these characters that. I, I don't let's, understand their relationship to each talk, other because <laughs> let's talk about the star. Let's talk. Let's talk about the star. Okay, Patty Duke. Patty, not Patty Duke. Patty Patty Dunning. Patty Dunning. Patty Dunning. Is her, Played is by her actual name. Her, no, her actual <laughs> name is Patty Dunning. Her name in the movie is Patty Myers. It's like Jack Nicholson, right? Like Jack Nicholson frequently frequently plays characters named Jack. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people's first names like Dwayne. They used Dwayne's first name. Who, who we'll get to Dwayne. Dwayne. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to. As we're talking about this, I'm just full disclosure. Although I've seen this movie a bunch of times, you're gonna have to remind me who we're talking about. Okay. Because I have like a face blindness for this movie that just makes no sense. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't well, you know who? Everyone is like a platonic ideal of 1970s. Patty. So Patty's the main mm-hmm. character, and how would you describe her, Chuck? I would like lukewarm, maybe. You know, she goes to church. She reads her Bible as she says. Well, we, we but describe her as human. We, we <laughs> can't talk about we can't talk about Patty without also talking about Jenny and Jan. Okay. Right. Okay. Her friends. So Jenny and Jan. they're they're, 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 they're at Teen Jan. City, or Teen Town. Right. 
there at Teen Town. And what, what I, it, I, now that I've watched this movie with as much biblical scholarship I have in my mind, I realize some of the themes they're trying to go with here, right? Because one of the famous things in the book of Revelation is the letter to the church of Laodicea. And, and, uh, and, and Jesus is saying that, like, you know, because you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. I want to vomit you out of my mouth, right? Right. So, so it's clear that Jenny is supposed to be the hot one, and I don't mean like you know hot and that kind of hot, but like let's be sure everyone in this movie is hot. It's true. <laughs> she is on fire for God because she's the one who instantly gets converted. She's like constantly talking about Jesus after she's converted. Those pigtails are amazing. And then yeah. there's Jan who is cold, like cold, cold. Like she makes yeah. some comment about basically like she's reveling in the in the idea that her and Jerry are just going to be like loose in the yeah. in the great tribulation. And so you got Patty right in the middle who represents the lukewarm person who's trying to be good but is not really going to commit to anything. And and the scene to that scene that best sums all those relationships up is the kitchen where Patty and Jenny are having a conversation about their wonderful day at the fair the day before. And how she's like, um, she says that Jan, Jan. I think the, I think it's Jan. Jan is the yeah. Jan is the one that falls in love with Jerry, whatever. Yes. Oh, um, she's Patty's talking about how Jan ran off with another guy who she thought she was in love with because, but she was also hitting on the new lifeguard, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's like, "That's weird," because I really thought she loved Jerry, and and um, by the way, it's I'm not Jan, guys. It's getting, Diane. It's okay, Diane. Diane. So I thought that was too many J's. Yeah. So Diane ran off with another guy or was making eyes at this. And um, Patty's like, well, that surprised me because I really thought that she loved Jerry. And Jenny's like, who's Jerry? And she's like, the guy that she met. And she's like, oh, I didn't meet him. And she's like, oh, that's right, because you went back to Teen Town. I'm sorry you missed it. And she's like, I'm not sorry I didn't meet him because I met my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I just realized something. All three of the men they supposedly met that day have J names. Jim, Jerry, and Jesus. What? <laughs> wow. Oh, Lord. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, And it's true. You know, J- Jerry's a total... Uh, I mean, he is uh, what you would describe as... Uh, he, is, he is every Bruce Springsteen song. He is... Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if he's every Bruce Springsteen song. I think he... <laughs> I think he might be like every Marshall Tucker band song. He's an incredible impressionist. <laughs> His Humphrey Bogart is spot on. <laughs> and if you and if you miss it, don't worry, he'll do it five more times throughout the movie. <laughs> Wait, I don't. Maybe they just asked him to be Humphrey Bogart. I don't know. Like we can't get Humphrey Bogart, so can you just like talk like him? Right? What? What am I just tell, I, I am telling you, if Adam Driver were to grow that facial hair, they, he would be a dead <laughs> ringer for Jerry. This guy, Jerry, might be Adam Driver's dad. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then there's there's and and oh, uh, there's Jim. Jim. Uh, oh, George W. Bush. Jim. <laughs> Jim. Cowboy Jim. Cowboy Jim. When we first meet him. He's wearing uh, that epic leather. I, I'm pretty sure it was a leather cowboy hat. I, I don't know for sure, but it looked pristine. leathery. It was pristine. It has never seen a drop of rain. <laughs> um, he, he becomes Patty's boyfriend, and, and also they, they get married in the movie. But only after an important life-changing event occurs. Yes, uh, one of Let's the most not... the weirdest, <laughs> most bizarre <laughs> subplots. It Can't even really call it a B story. Point. I don't know. It just—it's like a detour. It only happens so that they can make a line about it later. But oh my god, that, but, yeah, yeah, that's. But guys, the, the side, the side story. Please, JP, tell our audience what happens to Jim. Jim, Jim works at the zoo, which I died laughing when he at says the that. zoo, not in the <laughs> zoo. He works at the which zoo. I'm like, what's the difference in the context of this conversation? Because She's like, doesn't Jim work in the zoo? No, he works at the zoo. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, she interpreted as a dig that he's like an animal. Uh, uh, my name's Jim. I work at the zoo. Uh, anyway, he, he's, he wants to be a vet. He wants to be a veterinarian. So he's working, right. he's working in the house of reptiles and, uh, unbeknownst to him, a King, Co- uh, an Indian Cobra as is described in the movie. Right. Uh, Indian Cobra uh, is loose and it bites 
gem, and then the siren sound effect. uh, Right as his mouth opens and screams. Which, by the way, I love that the snake bites him as he's collecting screws. And I said to Kane, I said, there's a foreshadowing. He's about to get screwed. (laughs) And and guys, unbeknownst to him, despite the fact that the door is wide open. If you you walk into a room and there's a cobra, the first thing you're going to do is go, huh. That door should probably be closed. <laughs> yeah, he is the worst. Oh, he is the worst veterinary. Like, he has he, no like, business being a vet. <laughs> is he like trying to become a vet through like a mail order program? Because like, I worked at a pet store. You have to send the animal in. I was, I was, I, w- I worked at a pet store, and I had more pet safety training, animal safety training than this guy did. And the thing is, like, like. As I, this is where it gets deep cut for me because, like, I, I met I knew people who had like reptile handling licenses. Like, you have to have a level three reptile handler's license to deal with venomous snakes, and so that means that for this guy to be working in that reptile place, like he's in a serpentarium, every cage around him is full of snakes. <laughs> he has to have some kind some kind of training around this, unless there are no safety standards there's no regulation this is pre-regulation des moines iowa i guess this is trump's des moines iowa zero um, respect for the cobra cabinet zero right, respect zero for respect it. there's not even like a lock on it it's just a job yeah and i don't feel like training is required for hey close the door <laughs> like, <laughs> right and he's like building a piece of ikea furniture and it's just like open behind him and somehow the snake gets out and he doesn't even notice it which by the way this cabinet is like there's no way that snake fell out without like at least brushing his back <laughs> And the other thing is, is that snake is out to get Jim. <laughs> like, he doesn't do anything to make it feel cornered and threatened. Like, I, I, again, what people don't seem to understand about animals is they don't just go willy-nilly attacking people. Like, but I guess the idea is that he was the serpent you, representing Satan. You, you lie. I've seen Jaws. Sharks just eat people for no reason. And uh, second of all, you forget that God wanted the snake to bite him. Oh, that's right. So that's right. He right. Use it. So that he could Calvary use it Calvary. to teach him a lesson later. Okay, well, you, and you, that lesson is <laughs> you're getting a little ahead of ourselves. You're, you're missing out a whole point where Jim's incredible insurance allows for a snake expert who had has been bit by cobra so many times that his blood develops an anti venom, <laughs> and they <laughs> then they fly him uh, immediately immediately that, that to the hospital. Is- that guy is dressed exactly like Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. I would say that guy is dressed as a guy who owns cobras. Yeah, and that guy, and that guy spends his life. Apparently, you don't see it, but apparently, he must spend his life eating, sleeping, and drinking in like a lawn, a lawn chair on the helipad, so that when they call him, he can immediately jump into the helicopter and fly to wherever somebody was bitten was by a rare cobra. It, well, it's a point. I was it was an airplane. Yeah. And the way it, I am almost positive when you watch it, it is clearly shot in such a way that they had him run, get into the airplane, and then they had him get out of the airplane and climb back into the same police car that brought him to the airplane. <laughs> and they edited it to make it look like he flew from one destination to another. But it is clearly the exact same airport. This this is a pretty common uh, exploitation film tactic, by the way. Oh, of course. Of all, course. all this padding. Oh. Of, it, like it, planes it, taking off and landing and go, getting oh, in the cars and driving. But they there don't is, really take off and land. We just get in and out of them. <laughs> can I just say there is there is this there is this serious like they build all of this drama around this snake bite thing to the point that you think maybe Jim is more than just an ancillary character. Like maybe he actually is the second lead to this film. And you know, he's got bit by the snake. He then has a conversion experience. Because yeah. that's what it's all about, is getting him to accept Jesus so that he can get raptured. And here's the thing about the movie that gets me. And then I know he has a five hour photo montage. Five hour photo montage, which Kane at one point thought that Patty was pregnant in one of the photos. Um, so she's like, What happened to the kid? We had to rewind it to verify. And dark. Maybe the kid got raptured uh, in utero. But the but the but the um but then once he gets like this is the thing he gets me at the movie is then he gets raptured and everyone gets right, which we'll get to, I know, in a moment. But his getting raptured other than her screaming for about three seconds has no emotional ramifications from that point forward. <laughs> Jim is never even thought of again. None of them are. None of them are. Yeah. So is that like the idea is like the rapture not only takes you body and soul, but it also takes the, the memory of you from people? It erases people? you from existence like in Freddy's Dead. <laughs> yeah. That would actually make this movie way creepier. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that would. I just, 
my brain is nothing. This movie has screwed up my head so that I'm nothing but like corny, cheesy jokes because you <clears> said that we'll get to the rapture in a moment and I wanted to add in the twinkling of an eye. Oh, but it's all just dad jokes. <laughs> right, it I just will, goes down. Well, a thousand years are to the Lord is to a day and a day is like a thousand years. That also explains the length of this movie. It says an hour and eight minutes. Okay, we're almost done with the carrot. That's let's, the let's, level of jokes I was at let's with talk carrot topolis. Yeah. Carrot that's what I was say. <laughs> let's talk about Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne. Dwayne. Dwayne is the the youthful well, and, and lively pastor. Well, we got, youth we, pastor, we, I guess. Hold on, he's though. The cool pastor, man. Yeah. He has his own band called the Fish Market Combo. The way he's lounging on the grass when he's talking to her. I mean, he's oh just relaxing. I'm gonna like, <laughs> on that one arm. That's how I'm gonna just start doing. Like, I'm just gonna do that because we have a lot of grass, a big grassy field here at the at St. Andrew's School campus. Like, I'm just gonna start doing that and talking to the teenagers in my cutoffs, my thigh high cutoffs, <laughs> in, in my and my like, like, uh, like, uh, like a Samoan print shirt, and just be like with my sideburns and, and just the, and, the, and just chewing on grass, talking about Jesus. And the the friend the friend that I I tricked into watching this movie, they were so deeply into this, you could tell that their only comment during that scene was, "Yeah, his arm's definitely asleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's not gonna feel his arm for a week." <laughs> they, uh, I, Jenny, Jenny just, uh, Lord, sorry, Jenny just. Uh, Rolls up to the crew hanging out in the grass with, with Dwayne. Right. And okay. the first, first thing Dwayne says is, so, Jenny, anyone giving you crap for being a Christian yet? <laughs> Does he say crap? Going to. No, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, Here, paraphrasing. Uh, okay. Something I want – okay, help me understand something. With By the way, way I don't Satan know. wants to kill you now that you're a Christian. Right. I, when he says that, I said to Kate, I was like, maybe you should have, maybe you should have told her that before she got her to pray that asked Jesus in her heart. Like kind of like this is, you know – I do remember that as a genuine tactic in church. Like you oh, would get awesome. saved and then it would be like, oh, good. Now that you're saved, let me tell you about how much your life is going to suck. <laughs> like yeah, that was a genuine right. thing. You, like, just, yeah. you just told me my life would be great. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that part wasn't would. in the color book. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I, but uh, what, I, what, I, what I don't understand is what is the living situation they imply okay so oh he definitely wasn't a commune bro well no because that well that's is is well because here's the thing right so the movie opens they're at the fair with the super creepy laughing going on in the fair no they're at teen town at the fair fair where they listen to the yeah you go to teen town at the fair where they hear Dwayne um in his in his amazing band um guilt them into accepting jesus uh but only pat only jenny does and then, um, sweet, sweet Jenny. And then the next time we see it is that conversation in the kitchen, but they're in this like red house. And like, there's this lingering shot over like a plaque outside of the house. Is it indicating that it's like, a, like, cause then, then Jenny like walks outside and it's clearly the same yard yeah. and there's Dwayne and his people just sprawled out. Are they like all living in a commune briefly and they just never acknowledged it? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm that part. I'm really lost at. I don't know. They're just hanging out, man. You know, just. I don't know, man. I saw, see, I saw the follow-up to this movie that explained everything. It's called American Horror Story Cult, (laughs) and it makes perfect sense after you've seen that. (laughs) Dwayne does look a bit like a cult leader. I'm not going to lie. I love Dwayne. He's always surrounded by women. Notice that? Oh, yeah. He's always surrounded by women in the movie. He's always lounging. He's got, I mean, he's got, um, he's got his, uh, his Magnum PI shorts, sexy Sadie. And, uh, what's the other name that's singing with him in the fish market combo. I mean, he's got definitely like a, like a, like a, like a Charles Manson vibe. He was, he was a big inspiration for David Koresh. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, so, okay. So let's talk about the rapture. Wait, we, 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 but we haven't talked about, we haven't really talked much about Diane. Oh, Diane. The first character we're introduced to, by the way, and where we are, we are, uh, informed of her sin, of her sinfulness. Because she's definitely she's she's throwing she's throwing looks at Eric right. Foreman, making eyes at Eric Foreman, <laughs> which, which the the person again watching with me is like when she's like throwing looks at that guy, she goes, "What is the age difference there? Like twenty years?" Like, oh yeah, these right. kids are not teenagers. Like They're supposed 12. to be teenagers. They're not teenagers. They're not. Well, no, no, no. I will say, Jenny, I could see being like a late teen age. Like she looks like that could be her age. Patty, could, she could be one of the people who has sort of like an old. Like she has. She looks older. Yeah. Um, Jan, she's um, just a creep hanging out with the teenagers, dude. Like. Diane looks like she is a wine-loving, like a white wine-loving, 30-something, almost 40-something-year-old woman who just has refused to grow up. And by the way, 
you totally you just brought it up to me that they are supposed to be teenagers yeah. let's take a moment to appreciate the fact that jerry in no way or shape or form looks like a teenager the he 70s is really cool. different back then i guess because dude like he's hanging around teen town with that facial hair jerry, jerry, hey let's go to teen town bro <laughs> let's... all right so, so we, we also have not talking about susan Oh, oh, Susan, the, the little girl. Jenny's little sister yeah, with her the, creepy little puppet. Which is just kind of showing churches like, yeah, this is how the scare tactic works. Oh, this totally. Is, this is what to expect. And guys, <laughs> all kind of us, anxiety we're, we're creating. Had Susan's experience, right? All it's three a, of us have had Susan's experience. I got I to legitimately ask, too, what were they cooking on the stove? Because it kind of looked like heroin to me. <laughs> They're melting down heroin to shoot it off. Pretty sure those were tea bags they were boiling to make iced tea because it was a callback to the story of the pastor a moment before who talked about how he went his his like friend went downstairs to like drink some iced tea after he took off his pajama tops. What why do we know why do we need that detail? Maybe because later maybe because later uh Jim does not have pajama top on when he gets raptured. Maybe it's all maybe this whole movie is based on that dude's sermon. Hey. Dude, Dwayne that doesn't have a shirt on. Movie. Dwayne doesn't have a shirt Dwayne on when he gets doesn't have raptured. a shirt on when he's taken, too. Man, yeah, there's a lot of shirtless have... dudes in this movie. Right. Well, I mean, we know how evangelicals sometimes are, right? I mean, it's... <laughs> uh... well, oh, I, I want to talk about Susan because my favorite part, my, my favorite cut in this movie is when Susan, there's a shot of Susan, little girl Susan, before they get raptured. She is a shot of her walking towards the door, inside the house, walking towards the door, exiting the house, cut to shirtless Dwayne. Walking out of his house, that's a bad cut, my friend. <laughs> that, that's not a, that's that is in film school we we frown upon that. <laughs> you should frown upon the because it well, if anything it makes an association of a shirtless Dwayne and a prepubescent girl. Yeah. Um, and let's can, I, I I feel like we should talk about the cinematography of this movie a little bit too. It's very stupid film. It is student film, but there's there is some love and care put into it. They they, they did have a crane, yeah. They they, they did have a crane. They, they they oh oh they used the crane to the fullest extent in this movie as much as possible. Give me if it's expensive, rent it. Um, <laughs> that's why they couldn't do like that's why they that's why they had to do that photo montage. They couldn't actually <laughs> film all of that. They didn't have enough enough money left for the film stock. They had to they yeah. had to, but. Um, but I, you know, I, I was actually in, ref, in reflection, like, thing with the movie afterward. I'm actually kind of impressed with the cinematography, and that there is a degree of competence in terms of at least just the cinematography, editing. I mean, you and I, JP, weird is bizarre. Well, we talked about our favorite edit in the whole movie, yeah, which is the one about you know, like I feel like I could fly. Well, Jenny, with Jesus, you won't need wings to fly. And then there's the helicopter taking off. It's, you, you don't need wings anymore. Oh, that's what it did. At which point, we I were, knew that it was going to cut to the helicopter. I knew that was going to happen when they said it. At which point, both me and the person I'm watching with are like, "What? Yeah. Like, what, so, so what? You should just throw yourself off a building like you can fly now? <laughs> like, I'm dude, confused. Dude. What that was even supposed to mean? It's drugs, right? Like, it's like drugs. It's what's going on. They're talking about Jesus like drugs. Like, you don't need. Like, it's like they, they substitute Jesus with acid, and this movie becomes like an interesting tale. But like, <laughs> then it cuts from the helicopter ascending to a cricket. On a window Fade pane. into a cricket. And then it gets killed. <laughs> and then Patty no, kills it. Also a discussion in my house. Like, why? What was wrong? It was a grasshopper. And it's like, why'd, yeah. you, why'd you kill the grasshopper? Like, if it was a roach, I get it. A spider you could get away with. But why a grasshopper? What do you do to you? Because like, deep down, Patty is a murderous jerk. Do you, do you know <laughs> the mess that would have left on your window? Like, all, I, all I can guess is were they doing that as like a foreshadowing to like the locusts, like the plague of locusts that's supposed to be part of the book of Revelation? Like, was that a reference to that? Probably. I think there's so much like, they thought they were referencing in this movie. <laughs> well, well, like the helicopter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves any times of any type of like thematic stuff. But like I, I mentioned to you guys last night that the movie clearly borrows a lot from The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, which was a very popular book in 1970 that really inspired evangelicals because it put dispensationalist theology into modern politics and and laid out like this everything that we understand in the evangelical world about and our ideas about the rapture about tattoos on the forehead all that stuff comes from the late great planet earth this is all how Lindsay. and one of the things that he says in that book is that 
the, the, the revelation talks about these like enormous locusts with stingers on their tails, with thunderous wings, with like two faces, with um, long flowing blonde, like golden hair or yeah, whatever. Right. And he says that what that what he thinks is, is that John the Baptist or John the Evangelist had been given a vision of the future and he had seen helicopters right. in the future and interpreted them as these animals because he didn't have anything to compare it to, which is an interesting, an interesting interpretation. But if you notice the helicopter, it's yellow, like blonde hair. It's got like an open cockpit so that you can see two faces. You've got the thunderous wings holding. The helicopter is clearly a deep cut reference to the late great planet Earth. Wow. Okay. That's Sorry. Nice. I, it probably is. No, I never thought of it that way. That's interesting. And, the, the, <clears throat> yeah, the one Unite helicopter. The, <laughs> the one. The one. <laughs> They've got their van and their helicopter and they rule the world. And and Jerry's walkie-talkie. <laughs> and Jerry's walkie-talkie. And, and, and they the rule sign. the world in 10 seconds or less. And the one sign, the, the sign that says citizens only, that they clearly like kept like moving around. They just move it around to town. To the shots. <laughs> yeah. They're, the whole thing is actually everybody's trolling Patty. That's my, this is my headcanon. <laughs> They're all hiding from her. Oh, and then there's damn. people like walking around just like putting these signs in the windows. And the whole thing is just trolling Patty. And then, trick, and then she jumps off a bridge and then they're like, oh, this went way too far. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. Guys, it, uh, it's, it's ultimately heading to the guillotine if we keep going with this series. Oh, so, I know. Right? I mean, it's, um, it's but I just want to talk about like we're talking about exploitation films and, and padding. And I think one of the greatest examples of it was just the chasing sequence, which makes up the entire third act of the movie, of Patty just running. Yeah. Just running through parking lots, running through the streets, the woods, running into the woods. Which, tracks. by the way, you can tell a movie's losing money when they start shooting in the woods. Of course. And then they think she gets on the train tracks. And I think a good 15 minutes of the film takes place on those train tracks. Because I, there's a scene where she's like just walking towards the camera on those train tracks. And I'm like, okay, it's taking a while. And I did the, the skip 10 seconds thing. And she's still on those train tracks. You <laughs> fast-forwarded like, oh the movie, JP? You From did not even watch it, sir. <laughs> um, I watched all of those train tracks. <laughs> Lindsay's comment was, this movie would be so much better if she gets hit by a train right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And, 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 I, and I have to mention... The, the production music is awesome. Oh, yeah. I love the score in this film, which I'm, I'm afraid to call it score. I'm pretty sure this it's production music, like library music that they bought, like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. And guys, which sounds like the Sports Center thing, right? Isn't that the same thing from Sports Center? Like, like segue between like clips? Don't ask me about sports. Though the best music, let's not lie. The, the best music in the movie is the cowboy jaunt music that is played while she's driving the stolen van. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, what it's just some, happened? Some road music. For it her. becomes smoking in the bandit for a quick minute. <laughs> <laughs> she gets on the CB radio, which Jerry uses to pick up women, by the way. Can I just say, let's also point out, okay, so get back to the helicopter for a minute. The helicopter does not have any Unite like logos on it, right? The van is all painted up with Unite. So here's what I think happened. She stole the Unite van, and they were like, well, crap, we've got to get her. And so they did go rent a helicopter. So they used their 666 tattoos to rent some, like, dude's helicopter, and they're flying it around because they have to – and they're only after Patty because they really – they need their van back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it, it could be the helicopter from Magnum PI, the one where he always went to the guy to use his helicopter, the oh, yeah. one who did like tours of Hawaii. Same kind of same thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, sorry. Um, Patty. Yeah. I want to know what you guys think about Patty, not the character. Patty Dunning, the actress. I think she's like okay. <laughs> like, she loves to shake her head when she. She's always but, shaking her head when she's. But I do. But noting. I do honestly feel like she uh, she could have had a career. Oh, totally. If she was if she so. was in an actual 1970s horror movie. I was like, if they put her in any other movie during that time, I think we would have actually heard more about her. She definitely. Because yeah. I don't think she's bad at all. Like her I think screaming she's, at the end is not good. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's a big factor of being in a, a horror. I actress. thought the scream. I don't which scream. Which scream are you talking about? The one at the very end, after she after she, in the when twist, she hears the, the radio twist. again. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought the one though when she sees the razor in the sink was good. Oh, I thought that was a CB radio. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's his razor. No, that's Actually, his if razor. You, I'm just kidding. I if you, I, 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 no, for years I was confused on that, JP. I thought it was like a radio <laughs> too. Um, I was like, he was just shaving. What is that? Um, but no, the, the, well, the first time, the very opening part of the movie where she screams, it's not her screaming. It is, that is ADR screaming. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but later, yeah, she has like, she has an actual like, screaming fit and it 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 didn't i didn't think it felt it, it, it was clear she just needed some practice she needs some practice yeah she's definitely got like a marilyn burns thing going on from uh the girl she, who played sally in texas chainsaw massacre like she, she could, needed a good director who could bring it out of her i think she i'm with you matt i think she had some potential mm-hmm. um she's still around Apparently, she does like she does like speaking engagements and stuff we need to have her on is what we need to do yes we do mm-hmm. what if she's, <laughs> she's feathered hair um i i I learned some uh here's some trivia just one thing of trivia because there's not much out there um except unless you count uh this was shown in many churches as trivia um but uh apparently trivial but not trivia and 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 the sequel distant thunder apparently faye dunaway tried out for the role of patty uh did you get that off of imdb i got it off of amazon x-ray Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It could also be. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently that's what it says. That's what it said, Faye Dunaway, uh, which would have been great. But no, I, I, uh, I like Patty, Patty Dunning as, as Patty. Uh, I thought she, she did a pretty good job in Deering. She, she, played, uh, she did fine. Like I said, I, I think the, the level of, a compet- of, of competence in this movie is that is, I think would, would have been pretty typical of like student films back then. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I think it's, I think it actually is a more competent film than some Hollywood blockbusters I've seen. Really? Su- Suicide Squad? No, no. Come on. Man. No, Suicide no, Squad. <laughs> and, I, and I do have to add, I, everybody is aware that I took my deep dive into the wonderful world of Amazon Prime, um, which is hilarious that last night I was telling my friend about this movie and she's like, well, where do you watch that on? I was like, where do you think? And I opened the Amazon Prime, Prime app. I'm like, where uh, else would you find God, this God bless Amazon Prime. Uh, the I, the best I've, selection. But I've got to say, these 70s horror movies and stuff, I mean, yeah, the, the writing is awful in this and the blatant, like, four full-length sermons that you have oh, to listen to. There's so much people. preaching. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, all, it's all awful. But the movie itself, how it looks, how it's shot, stands up against so many of the 70s horror movies that I've watched, some of which are remembered to this day as good movies. Like, I do think it's awful by today's standards, but back then they were keeping up. I'm impressed. More so than I think Christian movies keep up today with oh, totally. what's going on in the world. Not to mention this like, is I pretty... Think they nailed it pretty good. This is the first of its kind. This is the first rapture. This is like, what, the first rapture ever made? That's that's yeah. kind of mixed with the, what you're talking about, the Hal Lindsey sort of conspiracy theory, black helicopter type things. That's well, and it's yeah. it's um it's an important thing because Kate and I were talking about this last night. Is that um you know this movie is 1972. Yeah. You know this is that's actually this way is earlier the, than I thought. Yeah, well, this, is the, this is the Jesus people. Though. Like this is the Jesus people movement. These are the hippies oh, that yeah. became evangelical Christians, and Join they were it. all. And they were all exploring using like new media to get the message, like you know, new forms of media to get the message out. Yeah, Pastor, and so, Pastor Dwayne is totally a Jesus person. Oh, totally, totally <laughs> Jesus people. And you can you can tell that um, you can tell that the um, that like they were clearly drawing on the exploitation genre. Like yeah. it's very much an exploitation film in all of its ways, it, and it has that feel. And you know, I, and I, I've called it Christ exploitation. I don't know if that's actually a phrase for it. Some like, people use it around out there, but um, it's it's such a weird like these these four movies fit that genre. It's its own weird little world that I don't think there's too many others of. Not really. Um, but I, um, it's 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 so bad, but it's so bad that like, but I have such a I have such a soft spot in my heart for it. Because one, it's kind of like with Miami Connection. It's a movie you can tell that the people who made it really cared, yeah. and they thought they were making a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, there is. I, I don't think that like, like the whole thing with the dam and the boat and all of that. It doesn't make any sense to us, but it made sense to whoever directed and edited that movie. Mm-hmm. And 
And so, like, it, it doesn't work in the sense that the, the director's intention and vision was not communicated as clearly to the audience. But I don't think any of that is extraneous. There's clearly a purpose. If no other reason, then it tells us for the ending when Diane says, meet us at the meet us at the dam. You can be like, oh, that's where they were before. Like, you know, it's it's it clearly is not meant to be super extraneous unless, again, as I as I mentioned to you guys last night. It was one of the conditions for the city of Des, Mo- of Des Moines, Iowa, to allow them to film, to say, like, here, show off our new dam and reservoir and all the fun activities you can do there. Well, I do I do feel like, though, there is also a correlation, whether it's direct, purposeful or not. But, like, it is purposely showing you the people that are enjoying life and then showing you Dwayne who's sitting preaching at people while people listen to him. And then when the rapture comes, the ones enjoying life playing out on that boat and stuff are all left here. And the ones who sat around and talked Jesus on the beach while everybody else had fun are raptured. So I do think there's like this purposeful, look, we're going to show you these people, but they're not, they're missing what's important, man. And this guy gets it. Is it the inverse of a slasher film where... Like the rap, like <laughs> yeah. the, the rapture is like the characters are, you know, they're being taken out one by one. Of course, this it all happens at one instant, but it's the uh-huh. opposite where it's like the the final girl and all that are the ones yeah. who get raptured, and it's the usual like center people that are left behind. Yeah. And I and I do have to say, it's funny because I was going to talk about that when you started talking about characters, and you said specifically the three. You had the Jenny, the um, Diane, and Patty, and I thought it was funny that Patty is our final girl to this movie but that's not a good thing in this movie that's a bad thing (laughs) in this movie because you don't want to be the final girl you want to be the first one taken but she's like she's like the quote-unquote innocent one but not really and like the truly innocent one is kind of like the character in the movie that you know it's not the final girl it's a girl that's like her support system throughout the movie. Right. And then Diane is like the, the awful wicked friend who's running around doing whatever she feels like, who's going to die. Right. She's Rose McGowan in scream. (laughs) Right. Um, but ironically in this one, she should be the only one that survives in the end because everybody else should disappear. (laughs) Pulling the Madonna horror complex between. Well, but it it hits that. It hits that. But this is where it begins to hit that very bizarre thing that is like so common to evangelical Christianity and the worldview that this kind of that this this interpretation of dispensationalist theology fosters, which is that that's that 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 survivor group. Yeah, the like uh, this is something maybe we should do a whole episode unpacking this because I I'm fascinated by the fact that we have, you know, the Left Behind book series. Like This has become like a particular kind of genre in Christian fiction. Of like the post-rapture fiction, and we we focus so much on this group of people who were too dumb. Well, I mean not too dumb, but like kind of sold as too dumb to hear the message and get it the first time around. Too full but of themselves. They, too full of themselves. But they're yeah. the people we're supposed to sympathize with. Yeah. How because that, that's an yeah, interesting and, thing, right? Like, shouldn't you want to be sympathizing with the people who get raptured? Yeah, and it's like. But there, but there are heroes because after they choose to stand up for what's right and keep going, she chooses not to get her, the back of her hand or forehead shaved by the electric razor. Like she, she chooses not to to get marked. You know, so we're supposed to be like these are the these are our heroes, the awesome people. But yeah, if you're looking at it from their point of view, our heroes are the ones that were left. I mean, I that mean, were taken, and these people are. Whatever you get, that's what you deserve. Like, I mean, it's, it's hitting that very bleak, like 1970s kind of sci-fi thing where, like, it's just bleak, right? The last shot is just her – is her like, the last – you know, before you find out what the, 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 the twist that it's all a dream, sort of, um, is that she's trapped and there's no escape and the only way for her to escape is to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And – which to me is also something that was effective – like horror movie uh, cinematography and the whole thing is when Jerry is climbing over the bridge coming at her and it has a very like, it has a very creepy rapey vibe to it. Uh, but Jerry in general just has a creepy rapey vibe to him. Let's be honest. Um, it's but the mustache I, and sideburns, man. It's but it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, but I, it's, so I mean, this movie is meant to portray it as bleak and I get that. And I think that that's, that's the takeaway is that Patty, 
your your whole thing with her is you're supposed to learn from her mistakes. That's why we follow her around. Of course, the movie doesn't do a great job of communicating the emotions and the wider world building of of, of her situation. But that's we're supposed to see that she gets she winds up in a bleak situation, and so the time yeah. is now for us to not end up like her. So she's a cautionary tale. I get that, but like I'm thinking of like Left Behind and these other movies where um, there's a the, 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 I think there's like a weird positivity in it that in the sense that like. The whole idea of the rapture is supposed to send this message that once the rapture happens, it's too late. Like you've passed the point of no return. Like you, it's it's a slow road to damnation. But like the Left Behind movies and other rapture movies have this weird thing where it's like, but well, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe there's still hope. And so it almost kind of has this weird way of advocating for a universalist approach to salvation, but it won't openly admit to it. It's just sort of like, well, maybe the people afterward, like they've still got a chance. Like well, even, it's a, it's even a, people who buy into this kind of theology are like, okay, well, this might be too harsh, right? Which is part of the conversation of this whole movie. Jim even says it's like, what kind of God would allow this stuff to happen? Yeah. And well, the pastor's that, like, well, uh, you know, uh, who has a choice? Or what's that one woman who says, like, whoever said love was safe or whatever? Well, isn't that one of the interpretations of the 144,000 or whatever, that there's people who will be saved after the quote-unquote rapture, and then there's yeah, a group that will be saved and taken when it's over, the right. ones that are faithful during it? The messianic um, Jews, yeah. But first of all, let me just say that um, Final Destination ripped this movie off. Um, and second of all, if this is their view just thinking about that twist ending, like, and I joke, but like Final Destination, we, I'm sure people listening to this, come on, you've seen Final Destination. Um, the plane crashes, everybody dies, blows up in the right. air. And then you find out it was a vision. He was like dreaming, quote unquote, the whole thing and has a chance to save everybody. That's the movie. But God, God will give you the vision just to wake you up and go, ha ha, you're screwed. Nothing you can do yeah, about it now. that's kind of weird. Like, oh, yeah. What was the point to having this like prophecy vision and then waking up Groundhog's Day style to the beginning of the day where it's like nothing you can do about it. It's too late. I just wanted you to know in your sleep you're screwed when you wake up. God hates Patty. Right. God hates Patty. Which right, because then a distant thunder implies that all the events of this movie actually took place, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean that's what I mean that's what the end of this movie is. She wakes up to the same exact announcement that her dream was. Right. Melinda vanish. She goes and sees he's gone. She hears that Unite has been <laughs> Unite. Well, they probably had more vans this time. <laughs> that they've been started. However, I will say, um, the first time around, the news reporter is saying everything that missed and says, please hold for a, a announcement at noon from the United Nations. And it shows a clock and it's like three seconds from noon. Um, when she well, wakes 10, up, 10. when it's she 10, wakes 10. up. Oh, and the in the first one, it was like three seconds from noon because I made the joke to my friend, like, seriously, like, as soon as this is over, you will hear the announcement when she has actually wakes up. She gets two hours because when she actually wakes up, he says the same thing. It shows the clock and it is 10 o'clock. It's like, oh, she gets a little time to prepare for the announcement. But like God showed her that vision just so she could wake up and live it. There's no hope, no chance of right. turning around, no reason for it. Just right. Uh, well, yeah, I, I know we've, we've talked about the theology of, of the rapture stuff before. And I, and I know we're, we're running out of time and that's a whole other thing we could probably get into as well. Maybe we should do it. Too we far. are, we are running out of time. Nice. nice. We are running tick, out tick, of time. Tick, 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 um, tick, tick, But what gets me is the central, so the, the, the central conceit of this movie is built around Larry Norman's I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And that passage, or that song, comes from the passage in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus talks about how the, when, the, when the day comes, you know, two people will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Well, Jesus prefaces that by saying, as it was in the day of Noah— so shall it be at the at the in the day of the Lord or whatever, mm-hmm. um, where two will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. And then Jesus makes a very clear thing where it's like the water swept people away, and the only people left were Noah's family. So the message that Jesus is actually trying to say is, you want to be left behind, because if you're left behind, you're like Noah, who was left you- behind because the floodwaters didn't take him away. Whoa, whoa, you're sounding a lot like Bad Pastor in the movie. I know, right? Back it up. I am totally Reverend up. Turner. I am back totally Reverend Turner. Well, I love yeah, his name. Well, back, back off, Reverend Turner. He's not you'll have to come, and you'll have to come listen to my sermon where it will start. 
so as it was in 1972, so shall it be when the Lord returns and one man will be shaving his beard and one will be mowing his yard and then they will be gone. Um, so ready? You want to hear the truth? Come listen to my A Thief in the Night. Followed by my musical church, Selah. <laughs> Carry on. Go ahead. I'm still just impressed with the, 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 I, uh, the, the, with the speed and efficiency of the United Nations taking over the world within seconds. Uh, uh, they can't really well, do anything else guys, in the well, world. They've had this, you know, they've had this you know in the for all been, along. They're just waiting yeah, for this moment. Yeah, you know they've been planning this since they were formed, and that Satan has been giving them the plans for how to take over the world in seconds instantly. Like, Right. It's, they've it's got the Antichrist on their side. It's absolutely, again, this is another how Lindsay thing, is he believed that the precursor to the European Union, it's called like the European Economic Council or something like that, yeah. um, that they were going to form into a one world government with their headquarters in Rome and establish a new Roman Empire, which gets back again to the fact that the book of Revelation is criticizing the Roman Empire. But in Hal Lindsey's mind, it has to be like a new Roman Empire. It can't be that this stuff is, you know, actually speaking to the first century. I don't think any um, people have any idea how the United Nations or the European Union operate. <laughs> of course not. Like it's, it, it's a fear of a one world government. And I think that would be an interesting thing to study. Why? Why? Are, why is there a fear of a one world government? Where does that come from? Where does that fear come from? Um, not saying that it's a good idea, but it's an interesting thing that people are afraid of it. I mean, and this is such a conservative evangelical thing to be so suspicious of the UN, afraid of the UN. You know, that's why we're supporting Trump in trying to like, you know, make fun of, you know, like poke, poke at the UN and try to get us, you know, at the UN or whatever, because it's all rooted in this, in this philosophy that the UN is somehow being run behind the scenes by Satan. For me, it's all rooted in this movie. It's like when I saw Jaws and now I can't swim in the at the ocean. I saw this movie. I know what the UN's up to. I've seen it. <laughs> seen it firsthand. They're going to be in green jumpsuits with red armbands collecting us and doing tattoos on our wrists and forehead. It's going to happen. Gonna I love happen. that they. I love that they shoot Reverend Turner. <laughs> <laughs> and Patty just stumbles upon it. Yeah, well, well, no, no, no. Uh, Mima, um, Gestapo Mima was um, was carrying her out to show her like the consequences of not accepting the mark. Oh, right, right, right. And I was reading it wrong. And so that's the thing is like like these people, man, like they got possessed by the devil fast, right? Because that's there's and that's the other thing. Like this takes on kind of like a body snatchers vibe at the end. Like yeah. it's clear these people are like possessed. Um, she keeps running into all these greatest generation types uh, with the mark on their foreheads. Right, you, you know, know and guy. I'm not afraid to be a citizen. You put that you right know, there. In the end, in the end <laughs> of the, like Megan, <laughs> the end of like the '70s invasion of the Body Snatchers. You've seen that one, right? Yeah, it ends with him. It ends with him opening his mouth and that sound coming out of it. Very similar to the ambulance scene. <laughs> Just saying, that snake bit him. He did one of those. He did the Donald Sutherland scream. Yeah, yeah. Guys, can we can we do can we do like the definitive? Like compendium to a thief in the night. Can we like write that? <laughs> we just like, make a thief in the night wiki. Citing all of its influences, uh-huh. citing you know like mm-hmm. how like it borrowed this camera angle from this like this this shot from this, this scene in this movie drawing from this podcast has officially become the official podcast for the, the I thief mean, it, of the night cinematic universe. It it opens like high it's noon. Just, just a it opens at like high noon. Just a close up of a clock ticking to tell you you're already running out of time. Like it's. Classic cinema, guys. Classic. Yeah. What's the? <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I've long been fascinated by that model. That model clock. I would love to actually own that that clock. I think it's actually a very interestingly designed uh, alarm clock, and I like the color. I think it's one of my reasons why I like the color mustard yellow. And, uh, yeah, that, that actually reminds me of the, just like the just a little side. I, I I love, I I love it. I love films that take place that are shot in the early '70s, especially when they're really cheap. And they have no uh, and, and no no concept of like set design, so they just go out and shoot out in the suburbs. Because to me, it's like a time capsule. Like I, I love seeing like bright, sunny nineteen seventies. Oh yeah, I love it. Well, I think that's uh, that's all the time we have for this week, and that's our our spooky movie review for Halloween. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, if you haven't seen The Thief in the Night, I hope we, we've, we've given you the courage and the gumption uh, to go and, and find this movie and watch it in all its glory. And to watch its sequels, because we we're, we're going to talk about the sequels one day. 
right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I kind of want to watch Thunder is, is a masterpiece. It's the Empire Strikes Back of this series. Right, because uh, it, it does everything this movie does, but then better. Yeah, they, they, they add a, a whole way, way more dimension to Patty's character. Um, yeah. Anyway, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I want to thank my, my, my panelist, Father Chuck. <laughs> hey, and, yeah, you're welcome. And Matt. You're welcome. And uh, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Happy Halloween and good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Come.